We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, IB Nation? Welcome to another edition of IB Nation Sports Talk. I'm Vince. That's Jesse. Sean is obviously on vacation. Hopefully he's having a good time in a different time zone. We're not going to divulge where he's at. Some top secret. He just got a new tattoo. What? Yeah. Wow. He goes on vacation and just decides he's getting a tattoo, I guess. No kidding. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, See, you're you're uh, you're putting it out there, and now people are going to want to know, and want they're going to want to see it. So uh, that's going to be very interesting. <laughs> that's hilarious. Good for him. That's great. He's he's out living his best life, which is awesome. Correct. That's, that's Correct. awesome. Good for him. So today is the eve of fall practice, Jesse, and uh, I know you remember when you were a player what this day was like. The the day before it all gets kicked off uh, for the season. It's kind of like, it's kind of, you know, Christmas Eve-ish, frankly. And we all get to get up tomorrow morning and go see practice. It's going to be, should be a good one. Should be exciting. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. 
That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, um, you know, as a player, it's it's both really fun and really nerve wracking at the same time, right? Because it's a, it's time that you finally get to go out and you know, kind of kind of prove yourself and go out there and and build you know the team with your teammates. But then at the same time, it's it's really nerve wracking because you you never know if your preparation was enough, right? And so yeah, until you step onto the field and and start going through your first you know drills or whatever, it's that that heart rate is bumping definitely a little bit until you kind of settle in through the first couple periods of practice. Well, obviously, I I would be remiss if we didn't uh, talk about the breaking news uh, that took place about twelve fifty five, and we had a one o'clock show, so it always. They always drop the breaking news right before uh, we, we we jump into a show. And so uh, I don't know if you, even, you were busy today, so I don't even know if you know what the breaking news is. No, I, it is boop-a-da-doo. Oh, okay. Matt Bayless has resigned as the strength and conditioning coach uh, at Notre Dame. Uh, oh, wow. As of, as of today at about 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And so this is obviously new news for you. So give me your gut reaction to that. Yeah, that's shocking. And I think what's really shocking about that is when Marcus Freeman was, you know, going through the whole, is he going to be the head coach? Is he not going to be the head coach? I just remember that video with Bayless, you know, and, and the and the entire team basically showing his support and then introducing mm-hmm. Marcus Freeman. It felt <laughs> like those two were like, you know, best yeah. friends uh, almost. So it's really shocking to see that. I'm sure it has nothing to do with something that Marcus Freeman probably did or didn't do. It probably comes down to a career choice at the end of the day, um, would be my opinion. And maybe there is something that is, you know, it's like his next step. You know, it's some sort of upgrade or promotion, I would say, it w- would be the logical um, the logical reason for why he is, you know, departing. Yeah, so you know we've we've started to dig in a little bit, and um, I, you know the official reason was personal reasons for for personal reasons he's stepping down, and so you know what does that look like moving forward? They they've named his interim replacement, which was his assistant, um, so he's going to kind of take them through. The good thing is they don't have to do anything uh, about this really anytime soon because no, no number one nobody's going to leave a program in the middle of the season to go to a different program and so they've got all season for Marcus Freeman to do his due diligence to get the right guy in there and and moving forward and and he doesn't have to make this decision until really the end of the season so plenty of time to make this decision 
hopefully we'll figure out more information about this moving forward. Uh, I know there's a lot of angst about this particular announcement and what it means. And, and they're kind of a lot of people waiting for the other shoe to drop sort of uh, situation. And so we'll see, you know, I, I don't know the answer to any of that right now. Um, you know, what I was able to figure out is that some people, you know, it was known by some people at Notre Dame that this was going to happen. I, I don't know who, and I don't want to speculate, you know, what that situation is. Uh, but at the same time, this is where they stand. And I don't believe, and this is me extrapolating from the information that I have received. I don't believe he's leaving to go to a different job immediately, maybe eventually, maybe next season, you know, or next off season. But I do not believe that it is to, leave for another program right now so um yeah it'll be interesting to see kind of how this plays out so that's the breaking news uh coach bayless is not with the program anymore moving forward and uh uh, they're gonna move into 23 without their strength and conditioning coach which is an interesting place to be so it's still the day before fall camp starts and we're gonna jump into this thing jess and we're gonna talk about we're so obviously Brian and I did our fall camp preview. We talked about questions. We talked about a lot of different things. Jesse and I are going to take a little bit of a different approach to the show today. Uh, from start to finish, it's all—it's pretty much all going to be about fall camp, including rapid fire. Uh, but we are going to make some predictions. Uh, we're also—I'm also going to ask Jesse some of the things that he's most looking forward to since I kind of answered most of those questions in the previous show, uh, although I will give my opinion here and there. Uh, but this is going to be more of a prediction show. We're going to kind of predict who is going to win some position battles and, you know, different certain, you know, different things uh, along those lines. So we're going to do some predictions, uh, not season predictions. These are fall camp predictions. So I want to be clear on that we're like we're not predicting wins and losses for Notre Dame we're not predicting stat lines for Notre Dame we're not doing any of that kind of stuff we're just talking about fall camp predictions and they're going to be in fall camp for a month um and so what is going to happen on the other side that that's pretty much what we're going to be talking about so let's jump right into this Mr. Styers. what are you looking forward to the most or to excuse me let me rephrase what are you looking forward to seeing the most from a coach and from a player standpoint? I am on a, on a coach standpoint. I am most looking forward to seeing Jared Parker and what his air attack is going to look like. What okay. his overall, you know, it's like, you know, as someone who's been a, um, a play designer before there's different concepts and routes that you're running to achieve, you know, different getting open at different spots of the field. Is that going to be at a intermediate level, a deeper level? There's going to be a little, there's going to be something for all of it, right? Like you got routes to accomplish different things. I want to see what Jared Parker is doing to get the ball downfield. Right. I feel like that's the thing that Notre Dame has really missed out on really since Deshaun Kaiser is there just hasn't been enough of a downfield threat in terms of the passing game. And I think for this offense to be very dynamic and compete on a national level, 
and get to their goals of a, you know, a playoff and obviously a national championship is you got to be able to throw the ball downfield and be effective downfield. And I think with their running game that that definitely is going to be there. I just want to see what is Jared Parker doing to design wise to get the ball downfield. Cause to me, that's, that's the biggest question in the offense. And that's, what's going to take the offense the farthest Because I mean, we saw it last year, even with Drew Pine at quarterback, mm-hmm. they could accomplish the underneath routes, right? Like that's all they sure. could really do. And the offensive line is a constant. The running game is a constant again this year. So what is Jared Parker doing to get the ball downfield? How is he opening up the the field and, and, and effectively moving the ball and taking those home run hits? Like Notre Dame doesn't need 10, 12, 15 play drives every time. You need some of those quick, you know, bombs downfield, maybe four or five play drives, some quick scoring drives. Um, so that's that's what I'm most interested in in terms of uh, From coach a coaching wise. standpoint. All right. Agree with everything that you just said, because I think the offense is going to be key to what this team is going to be. Obviously, they're going to have to score a bunch of points. We've talked about this in the past is that, you know, Notre Dame has had championship level defenses in the past but they haven't had an offense that can score points when they need to stretch the field, do all the things, you know, that they need to do in order to be successful at the championship level. And when they've gotten into the playoff and and when they've gotten into the national championship game, the offense just wasn't there. The offense couldn't score when they needed to. And so what is this offense going to look? Is Jared Parker going to be able to take this offense to the next level? Is Sam Hartman obviously going to be able to take this offense to the next level? That's a good question. So I will go same side of the ball. I'm going to go with Joe Rudolph uh, as my coach to watch because, you know, this offensive line needs to be a Notre Dame offensive line, right? I mean, and we have a lot of faith, I'm sure, in the tackles and in the center, you know, but there's – It's the guards. Yeah, both guard spots are up for grabs. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Um, I think one – the guard is the most important position in a running attack because those are the guys you're pulling the most. you got to have the most athleticism at guard. Sure, absolutely. And so what's that going to look like? I think one of those guard spots is pretty locked down. What's the other guard spot going to look like? Who's going to win that spot? We're going to talk about that. But this offensive line needs to be just your classic Notre Dame offensive line, just a strength of this team. They need to be able to run the ball when they want to run the ball. They're going to need to be able to – pass block when they need to throw the ball like this team this offensive line needs to be those dudes and they're not going to be those dudes if joe rudolph isn't who we think he is and you know there's going to be a lot of people when i say this saying oh it's the first game of the year and blah 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 but notre dame lost that game last year because they had a false sense of who they were in the trenches they thought that they were the better team against ohio state and both the offensive and defensive line trenches and sadly, that wasn't the case, and that's what lost them that game. You know, Marcus Freeman had every intention of winning the trenches in that game on both the offensive and defensive line, and I would say Ohio State, you know, edged them. And it's not – I'm right. not saying they got completely destroyed or dominated, but that's – to me, that's, well. that's where you control the game, right? Like yeah. the defensive line and the trenches, that sets up, sets up everything else. If you have good defensive linemen, that frees up your linebackers, and that's less time that your DBs have to cover in the secondary, right? So that it all starts down there. And obviously on the offensive line, it's easy to say that's where it all starts too, because if you blow a blocking assignment, I mean, that's a blown up run play. That's a sack, you know, whatever that might be. And so you have to control both sides of the trenches. And I think that if you ask Marcus Freeman, 
I would say that it, at, at the top of, you know, he's a very thoughtful and insightful person. And so like, he'd give you a better answer, but I would say it's at the top of his list of things. He was probably a little bit disappointed in last year because sure. he wants to be a physical type, you know, coach. He wants to be able to run the ball and lean on the run game when, when needed. And I just don't think that they were able to do that at certain times last year. I don't think they were able to rely on their trenches as much as they, as much as they thought that they were going to be able to. No, completely agree. And the offensive line, you know, specifically did not live up to the billing the first couple of game, first few games of the season. Now, eventually they became a strength, but they were not a strength at the beginning of the season. And it showed, I mean, it showed pretty clearly uh, in the Ohio state game, just like you mentioned, it showed in the Marshall game, to be honest. Uh, and it wasn't good. And so, yeah, they're, they're going to need the offensive line to step up there. There's no doubt about it. So Joe Rudolph will be my, my coach to watch. So now, if I give you the option of watching any player in fall camp tomorrow, who's going to take your eye? I'm looking at the depth chart right now. I made okay. notes of the depth chart. So if I'm looking over here, people don't feel like I'm cheating. It's just, you know, <laughs> it's hard to memorize everything for the exam. Um, I would say I'm most, I'm most interested to see Rover and Will defensively. Okay. Wh- who Who's there? What they look like? Does it look better than last year? Offensively, I mean, it's easy to say quarterback, right? Yes, it is. But I, I'm going to say wide receiver because I think there's a lot of young guys pressing on the heels. And I think that if they, if these, some of these guys with more experience aren't living up to the standard, I think there's going to be a, a quick rope with these guys because. Sam Hartman is Sam Hartman. And if if he's getting the ball to where it's supposed to be, but the wide receivers aren't there where they're supposed to be, I think you're going to see some people like Great House, Rico, Flores. Um, I, I think you're going to see some of these guys really pressing on the heels early. So I'm, I'm most – and I think they're playmakers too, right? Like I, I just think that some of these younger wide receivers have a legit shot to get into the rotation early. Just because there's really, in my opinion, no one's proven themselves at wide receiver. So I want to see who steps up out of the wide receiver position, and I want to see who steps up in the linebacker position. No surprise you pick linebacker close to your heart. I get that. Yeah, but really it's kind of the, you know, not the weakness of the defense, but everything is built around the linebacker, you know. So I'm not worried about the secondary. I think they have enough depth uh, at the defensive line position. I just really think that they need to be better at linebacker, specifically, you know, Maris Leofau's position last year. What are they going to do there? Is he still the top, you know, the front runner? Is he not the front runner? Are they still having him just run into the defensive line every play? I don't know. That's that's kind of what I'm looking at defensively. No, that's good. I like that. You know, obviously my eyes are going to go to the offensive side of the ball, no doubt about it. And they're going to be on number 10. But more specifically, I, I think I know what I'm going to get from Sam Hartman. And so I, right. I I agree with you. I'm heading to the wide receivers. I'm watching Tobias Merriweather specifically. I What's think his growth has, look like this year? Absolutely. I think, you know, he, he, I see him as the alpha. Like he needs to be the difference maker at wide receiver. I mean, and, and if he's not, this could be a long year for Notre Dame period. There's, there's nobody on this team with the skill set of Tobias Merriweather. There's not. So there's nobody that's going to push, and do what he can do this year in 2023. 
I just don't think that there is. So let me. He needs. Do to you step think anyone up. is proven at wide receiver? Proven? No. It, well, no. I take that back. I think I think Jaden Thomas is a proven wide receiver. I think we know what we're going to get from Jaden Thomas. I think he's going to have to take his game to another level, but I still think he's a proven commodity, and you know what you're going to get. So you're saying he's kind of the guy. Not not that anyone's safe, right? But like. You know, there's the oh, least starting. amount of question marks by his name. He's starting 100%. And I okay. would be shocked if anybody even pushed him to not be shot, to not be the starter. Like, he's absolutely the guy that I have the most faith in being the go-to guy when it matters most, you know, that kind of a thing. Absolutely. Jaden Thomas is a guy that I have a lot of faith in at wide yeah. receiver. Now, the rest of the guys, every one of them, is a high ceiling, you know, they're they're all ceiling guys that we don't know the answer to yet. Tobias Merriweather, as much as I said that he needs to be the guy, he's got one catch. His whole career, he's got one catch for a touchdown, right? It was awesome. Right. It was a great play, but he's got one catch for a touchdown, okay? You know, Deion Colsey needs to sh- prove that he can be consistent. Made some great plays on third down, but he needs to prove that he can be consistent. Chris Tyree needs to prove that he can catch the ball. He needs to prove, you know, that he can run routes like a wide receiver, not like a running back. Right. You know, we're hearing good things about it, but we need to see it, right? You know what makes me most excited about that, Vince, is the combination of Jaden Thomas and Chris Tyree in the slot, I think is something that you can play with and tinker oh, yeah. with to a great degree because Jaden Thomas in the slot, he's like an <laughs> – you asked some of these broadcasters last year, is he a tight end or is he a wide receiver? Right. <laughs> so, but that's, that's kind of what I'm getting to. Sure. He's a mismatch that, nightmare. Yeah. He's huge. And on third and on short down situations, he should be in the slot every single time, but then you can switch back to Tyree on some of the longer downs and use his speed more so in open field, right? Like maybe use just some quick screen slants, whatever it might be. I think Chris Tyree can be almost an extension I'm going to quote my good friend Kirk Herbstreit, an extension of your run game out there, right? Like it, mm-hmm. it's it's not a run play, but when you just quickly throw a pass out to him in open space, it's basically a run play. I, I just right. think the dynamic between those two guys in the slot, you have sure. those kind of polar opposites of each other. You have a, a really small, shifty, you know, kind of scat guy, and then you have a, a bigger bodied, sure hand, good route runner in Jaden Thomas. So not to get you off track, but that's something no. I'm really excited to see in fall camp is how they, you know, utilize those two in the slot. Sure. I mean, you've got uh, you've got some some interesting options in the slot, right? And then you can move J- you can move, you know, Thomas outside. You, like he's gonna be the X factor offensively, or one of the X factors offensively, JT, is that you can have him in the slot, you can have him outside, you know, you, you're gonna put him where he's best matched up. But then another X factor, as you mentioned, is Chris Tyree. If he can be the guy, if he can hit his ceiling and and be that kind of scatty, you know, uh, slot guy who gets the ball on screens and really works the middle of the field and, you know, does a lot of these Clemson different things. Clemson uses their wide receivers a lot. Right. Gets the ball to him while he's running, you know, not just stationary, right. you know, all of those like crossers, things like that. If, if he can reach that ceiling – man, you want to talk about X factor. Like he takes this offense to another level because oh, yeah. of what he can do with his speed. So it's a lot of toys that Jared Parker has to play with offensively. There's no doubt about that. So it's going to be a lot of fun to watch, you know, how they go about 
things and how they do things offensively and you know what that looks like and we're not going to get all those answers tomorrow obviously but those are all things that we're going to be looking at moving forward as we go through all of these practices that we have access to for sure so we agree uh, on wide receivers where are you going defensively where are you keeping your eyes at i mean if i'm looking for if i'm looking at a guy that I want to see him takes that take that next level from a leadership standpoint, from a playmaking standpoint. It's it's Xavier Watts at safety. Um, I think he has a chance to be the leader in the secondary. Um, you know, he's actually been at a position, one position oh for over goodness. a year now, which is awesome. Uh, I think he can just take that and run with it. Of course, the the linebacker position is is one of intrigue, and what are they going to do with it, and how's that going to look? But tomorrow specifically, I need to see Xavier Watts be that leader on the field. I want to hear him vocally. I want to see him bringing along whoever the second safety is going to be, getting guys in the right spot. That's what I'm excited to see for sure. I don't know how I forgot this because this is my my breakout player of the entire season is at this position. And it's a large hole to fill the Viper position. You know, I... Is Batello the guy? I yeah. think Junior Tui Alamaka is the guy, personally. Um, okay. I have a lot of expectations for him this year. Um, and I think he's going to be the breakout player on the defense and the guy to step up at the Viper position. And that's that's nothing against Batello. I just I think with Junior's speed and physicality as a linebacker and then coming down to play defensive end, it's it's the game should actually get easier for him. Less responsibilities being able to utilize his speed more at a position where speed isn't necessarily as important. And then the physicality to keep up with these, you know, tackles, pulling guards, etc. I think he's got all the tools to be a really, really good player at the Viper position. He absolutely has all the tools. His, his thing is going to be consistency, consistency on the field, consistency off the well, field. I think that's going to be the entire you know. thing with that position is consistency. Yeah. Who's going to be the consistent player? I, because... I, was, I, mean, I was speaking about Batello, by the way, when I said oh, sorry. On, okay, on yep, the field. Yep. Just, just so we clarify, um, I'm still pissed that they moved Junior from middle linebacker to to Viper. That, I just he think was there's like, so much behind him, though, you know, with Ziegler. And, I know, uh, I know, Drake I know. And... I, he was just made to be a middle linebacker. Oh, he definitely right? – he like, looks like you're, he you know looks what I mean? like a Manti Teo 2.0, basically. Right, exactly. That's – yeah. So I, I'm still <laughs> upset about that. But you know what? He can go sack the quarterback, too, and, and that would be great. That's I, know I mean. He's if, been, he's got, if he's got right. 10 sacks this season, are you going to fe- still feel the same way? Are you going right. to feel he's been, good he's about been that one? He's been working his butt off uh, from a pass rush standpoint. You know what I mean? And he's athletic. So, I mean, he's going to be able to play in space when they have to drop him and do all these different things. And I'm sure he's going to have success at Viper. I was just – I was just saw him as the heir apparent, you know, at, at middle linebacker. You know what I mean? But they've had three really great classes at linebacker – recruiting wise and so they're they're going to be fine obviously in the middle um and so they can get a little bit more sauce off the edge that's okay too so i can get on board with that for sure so let me ask you this just what are you looking for from the head coach going into year number two from on the field off the field whatever this is a wide open one for you what are you looking at from marcus freeman in year two i think i would like to see marcus freeman more engaged on the defensive ends. And I don't I don't need him to be, you know, all up Al Golden's butt all the time. But I think that he has enough respect and knowledge that his input could be 
utilized a little bit more this year. And I, I say that because to me, what stuck out in their bowl game against South Carolina is you did see him coaching a little bit more on the defensive end. Like when some of these younger guys, um, Sneed and I can't remember the guy that just transferred out um, as well. The linebacker that transferred out uh, Prince Collie, Prince Collie. They made mistakes, and as they were coming off the field, Marcus Freeman was letting them know. You know, he you could tell that, and it wasn't like the Brian Kelly that we used to see, where sure. it was blue Purple in the face, face and yeah. <laughs> you know, screaming his head off. It was legit teaching moments, and you know, telling these guys where they messed up. And you could tell they got lucky it, on the play. Prince Kali didn't set the strength right. They somehow still ended up with an interception, and it looks fine. But if that play doesn't go for an interception it likely goes for a touchdown because it's a bust in the strength call and the and the the defense is completely set to the wrong way right and so I need more from Marcus Freeman in that regard and I think the obvious one is you can't have there, there can be no more mulligans there can't be any more the Stanford and Marshalls of the seasons and I think that's the biggest step he's got to take as a head coach is getting his team prepared every single week, not just Clemson, not just the Ohio States, but you got to show up and be prepared for the Marshalls and for the Stanfords. And when things aren't going your way, you got to make those adjustments in the third and fourth quarter to get the job done. And, you know, I know a lot of people have some things to say about Brian Kelly, but that was probably one of his more admirable traits, in my opinion, is he found ways to win games he probably should have lost um down in the end there was a lot of games that felt like Toledo comes to mind um at Virginia a couple years come uh, Jack Cohn's year comes to mind like Brian Kelly found ways to win games in the third and fourth quarter when all things were pointing in the wrong direction Marcus Freeman wasn't able to do that last year and so that's another thing I need to see out of him coaching wise yeah I just want to see him be more involved uh more visibly involved I think the big picture stuff he's got under control. Uh, I think that, you know, I want to see him more involved at practice. I want to see him, you know, going from position group to position group. He doesn't have to be coaching them up per se, but just being involved with those guys. Like he was always on the periphery uh, last year. He was just kind of there. Uh, I want to see him a little bit more involved uh, at practice and things of that nature. You know what I mean? And, and whether that's the offensive side, the defensive side, you know, kind of focusing on the little things moving forward. I think that's kind of the next step in his maturation process as the head coach is to just be more involved with these guys. Be And I, I personally have seen it from at the camp level, right? Last year at camps, he wasn't even around. And when he was, he was just kind of there. Like this year, he's like jumping into drills and showing kids how to do stuff and like talking to them and and not just like the the kids that they're trying to be recruited. Like he's talking to everybody and he's involved and he's he's just way more vocal, um, which is I think what we need to see because we saw that a little bit last year on the sidelines too. From you know Marcus Freeman on the sidelines first half of the year versus Marcus Freeman on the sidelines second half of the year is a big difference. Uh, I think he got more comfortable in his own yes. skin as a head coach. You know what 100%. I mean? And I, and I think he's he's going to be more comfortable in his skin as a head coach on the practice field too. Uh, so that's going to be a, a, me, a very um, interesting thing to see. Let me ask you this. All right. We talked about when Marcus Freeman got here, he inherited a lot of coaching leftovers, right? Tommy Reese, et cetera, et cetera. This year it's sure. more on guys that he has kind of handpicked. 
do you think that coming into the situation that he did with Tommy Reese being here, Tommy Reese being primarily in charge of, you know, everything offensively related, do you think there was a strain in his relationship with Tommy Reese and his control in the offense just because of, again, it, it was, it was Tommy Reese's baby when he got here. Right. And so did Marcus Newman really have a ton of input or was he just kind of going with what he was grandfathered into? And then do you think that he will have more input now in the offense, considering it's kind of a fresh start with Jared Parker, I guess is what I'm trying to get. Sure. At. Let me answer it this way. Everybody, there, there's a, a group of people out there that, you know, think that he was, you know, hamstrung with Tommy Reese and didn't have a choice and all of those different things. Right. And, and Tommy Reese said he was going to be back on the staff before they named a head coach. So I get that. Marcus Freeman was going to bring Tommy Reese back or he was going to ask him to come back if he became head coach. Like that is an absolute definite that was going to happen. Right now, did Tommy have a little bit too much autonomy maybe going into the season? Maybe. I, I don't know that we'll ever know that for sure. You know, unless we talk to Marcus Freeman and in, in, you know, uh, a moment of clarity kind of a situation, you know, he was still head coach, but he gave an awful lot of autonomy to Tommy. There's no doubt about it. Right. So now that Tommy is not there anymore and it is a handpicked situation by Marcus Freeman for Jared Parker, I think it's more going to be, Hey, this is who we want to be as an offense. This, this is, I want to be able to run the ball when we want to run. I want to have an identity, you know, that kind of stuff. I feel like he's given Jared Parker a charge of what he wants the offense to look like and how they go about it. I think he's allowing Jared Parker to be that guy, let him go about it in whatever creative way that he wants to go about it. But I think there's definitely been a, there's more hands-on with Marcus Freeman. Like, do you think Marcus Freeman saying, Hey, we we're trying to accomplish this, this week, do what you got to do to make that happen. Do you yes. think, is that kind of, yes. I, overall... I think it's more big picture type, like, Hey, we need to be able to do this. I don't you care how you happen. get it done. Exactly. I, I do okay. think it's more along those lines. I don't think it's going to be like, Hey, we need to run the ball 17 times. We need to throw the ball 23 times make it happen, you know, or, you know, we need to run stretch zone here. We need to run, you know, a flood pattern here. Like he's not, I don't think he's going down that road. You know what I mean? I think it's more along the lines of, Hey, we need to be a run, a run first team, but that can push the ball and throw it down the feet, you know, all, all of those things, right. Be a dynamic offense. Cause that also helps the defense. Okay. Make sense. Yeah. Do you agree? Or do you think it, yeah. it's different? No, I think I just think overall Marcus Freeman is going to have a little bit more input this year just because of I, I think the relationship between him and the offensive coordinator are starting fresh and he's not sure. walking into sure. something that was kind of, you know, it, like, again, it was it was really Tommy Reese's offense. And then he walked into that. And I don't think that he had not that he didn't have input, but I just think he has more input now sure. because they're going to be, I just feel like Marcus Freeman, like we were just talking about, it's going to be, Hey, I need you, this. This is what, you know, overall big picture we're trying to accomplish this week. Here's kind of my ideas. And then Jared Parker is going to take those and kind of run with it essentially. And I just don't think there was as much of that with Tommy Reese, I guess is what I was yeah, ultimately I get getting that. at. No, I get that. So let me ask you this. What now we're just talking about fall camp. 
So what are your what do you believe you need to see from the offense and the defense? So two separate questions coming out of fall camp for you to feel like this is going to be a season of success for Notre Dame. Like what what do you need to see with your own two eyes coming out of fall camp? First and foremost, coming out of fall camp defensively, I need to see Notre Dame's ability to shut down the run game. And not that they were bad against the run game last year, they were bad against the run game in high leverage situations. When everyone knew that the team was running the ball, they needed to get a stop defensively and they just failed to do it. You know, that's what I need to see out of them defensively is when it, it's, it's fine and dandy to make stops, you know, quarters one through three, but it's quarter four now. And we, the, the offense is really relying on you. You need to be able to stand your ground and get the ball back for the offense. I think that's number one, first and foremost. And I'm, I'm not overly concerned about the secondary I think the secondary has a lot of elite pieces and they're going to mesh well together. So I'm just kind of taking them out of this equation essentially. Okay. Okay. So I need to see again, what the defensive line and linebackers are going to do in order to stop the run game. Um, And and then the flip side of that is they need to effectively get pressure. I, I, I get sick of seeing guys blitz. They bring five or six guys and there's no pressure. It just looks like they're Mm -hmm. getting stonewalled at the offensive line. I you that can't happen. If you're going to blitz and sacrifice someone in coverage, you need to get to the quarterback. I need to see them get to the quarterback more. These design blitzes need to get to the quarterback more. And that's between the linebackers and defensive line again. You know, what sure. what stunts are they doing? Are they getting home? Are they meshing well? You know, oftentimes when a defensive line is crossing, the linebacker is coming right off of his butt you know, the other way. So what does that timing look like? Is the mesh well, right. are they getting to the, are they getting to the quarterback, right? Like you can't blitz and not get to the quarterback. There at least needs to be a pressure, a hurry. And, you know, we all want sacks, but yeah, it, it, I just need to see more of that defensively. So I'll let you go defensively and then we can switch back. Okay. Offense. I like that. So defensively for me, I, I want to see stopping the run is so crucial. I mean, it's so important and that's really what they've, struggled with at high leverage times i would say right and and somebody in the chat said you know red zone defense of course but we're not going to know about their red zone defense coming out of fall camp like that's going to have to be something that we see in a game and we're probably not going to have a good idea what that looks like probably through the first four games like that's we're going to have to see something in order to make that call right but from from a defensive standpoint i I just want to see i want to see chaos but like Defensive chaos in a good way. Like all the defenses that have ever been really good that I have been a part of or coached or, you know, watched or whatever, they did. It's controlled chaos on defense. Guys are flying to the football. Guys are all over the place. They're blitzing. They're, you know, they're sticky on defense. They're, I mean, you know, in the passing game and that kind of a thing. Just controlled chaos. Like that's, that's what I want to see defensively. I want to see these guys moving around with a purpose, but then also flying to the football. And that will tell me, so what What does that look like? What does that tell me? That tells me, okay, year two of Al Golden's defense, they get it. They're, they are now understanding where they need to be, why they need to be there and all that. And now they're just playing the game and they're moving around within the defense and it's just controlled chaos. There's just got, it's like when you're, when you're an offense and you're playing a defense like that, it's like, 
Are they playing with 13 guys? Like, why are there always so many of the opposing shirt where we want to be? Like, how does that always happen? That's what I want to see defensively. And I think they have the guys to do it. I really do. I really think that they have the guys to do it. No, I 100% uh, agree with you that they have the guys to do it. And it's just, I I think a big thing for them, and I'm not trying to make excuses, but being a defensive player myself my entire career, like I never sniffed the offense. I that's just wasn't really a, a thing. I was just I've got a one-handed you know, catch, one-handed tight end pop pass <laughs> to prove you wrong, but that's okay. I, hey, I'm not saying that I was underutilized offensively, <laughs> but I'm just saying majority of my career played defense, yes. right? Yes. It's Middle hard to go through three different defensive coordinators mm-hmm. and a span of three years. And I think a lot of uh, not a lot. Some of these issues is just going to be flattened out by having consistency at the coaching position. You know, listening to the same people tell you the same stuff day in and day out and then not have to worry about a year later hearing stuff that might be contradictory to what you got going on. And football is an already rapid sport where you just got to you got to use your brain and also react at the same time. But the less you can use your brain, the better. The more you can just become reactionary, yep. the better. Instincts. So I, reactionary. Right. Yep. The instinct stuff. And so I think that these guys are just going to actually play with more instinct this year because there's just natural rhythm and flow of having a defensive coordinator back again for a second year, getting into a routine with him, You know, knowing what the expectations are, knowing the ins right. and outs of the defense and what they're trying to accomplish. So I just think that's – another big factor that's really going to help them out this year. Absolutely. All right. Offense, you're up. So offensively, what I need to see from the offense, I mean, I think this one is, again, uh, relatively easy thinking about a lot of the stuff that we've talked about the last couple of days. I need to see, I need to see two wide receivers step up and say, I want the ball and I want it at all times. Like I want, I want these wide receivers almost mad that they're not getting the ball, right? Like that with Sam Hartman at quarterback, these guys should be feasting. You know, it it should be, it should, they they should just want the ball as much as possible. And so I want to see who's going to step up at the wide receiver position. And I want to see who's going to step up at the right guard position. Cause I think those are the two biggest points of interest right now. And Obviously, one they're they're both critically important, right? Because one you sure. can't pass the ball without protecting your quarterback, and it, you got to catch the ball too as a wide receiver. So that is um, what I the the a realistic or you know the outcome that I need to see offensively is who is ultimately going to step up and be that go to guy at wide receiver, and who's going to be the guy to finally say, you know what, it, the the right guard position is mine, and it's it, there's no more debate about it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. That's a good one. I, I'm going to be a little more vague. I'm not going to go specific to positions, but I just want to see them spreading the ball around. I, I just want to see multiple guys involved in the passing game. Doesn't matter who it is. Whoever's open, it's getting the rock. I want to see a, a dominant run game, obviously. But I just I want to see as many guys as possible. So, like, if we were if we were lucky enough to go see a scrimmage, for example, right? I just want to see Sam Hartman, just whoever, man, anybody's getting the ball. Boom, boom, boom. Matt Solano oh, yeah. can get the ball. Great House gets the ball. It doesn't matter. Just everybody's getting the ball. Whoever's open. Because that's going to make your offense. Plays. Yes, and then down the field. Open, 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 down the field. And then, oh, you want to start bracketing guys and doing all that? You're, you're going to put six in the box? Awesome. We're going <laughs> to give the ball to number seven. Like We're going to give the ball to our punisher. Yeah, exactly. So I just I want the offense to be able to dictate what is happening in the game. At all times. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. This the case for Notre Dame lately. The the defense or the offense has very much felt reactionary, you know, oh, like yeah. based off of you know what 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 they're giving them. I want teams, I want defenses scrambling to the sideline, coaches going crazy on the whiteboard because they can't figure out you know right. what's going on, right? Like that's a good point. I, I the offense needs to dictate more than the you know more so than the defense dictating what they're doing. Absolutely. And and like you said, that hasn't been the case for a really long time for this Notre Dame offense. It's always been, oh, crap, they're loading the box. What do we do? Oh, we do, we'll just run into it. I mean, we're, right. we're, I mean that's, <laughs> it's been so frustrating to watch. And so they, I want the offense to dictate what the defense is doing. And that's going to be – I just I, – I feel like that's going to happen. Like I feel really good about that. I hope that I'm not let down over the next three, four weeks that we're watching this thing play out. So – Uh, All right, so that's our expectations. Let's do some predictions. There's a bunch of position battles here, Jess, and I I gave you a bunch of them. I'm adding one. I texted you what it was. I can't believe I forgot it. Um, But uh, So let's just jump into this thing. Second running back spot. We know Audrick Estime is RB1. Who's going to lock down RB2, in your opinion? Right, so this is a tough one. You got Jabron Payne. Um, and then you also got spring. say it again. He had a good spring. Jerome Payne had a good spring. Had a very good spring. Um, and then outside of that, it, to me, it comes down to um, Jadarian Price. After that, right? I am. I'm really conflicted on this one because, okay. I, and I think this is a really good question because I, I think, like I was talking about yesterday, I think that um, Audric Estime gets majority of the workload, right? But I also think that he is he, – he can't do it all. He's going to have to have someone sure. who can be effective um, and help him out. I'm going to go with Jadarian Price because I think he was on track to be that guy, actually, and before he had the injury to his Achilles. Um, and I think he's going to come back even stronger. Um, and, and, you know, I think the only thing that could potentially – set him back is further injuries because when you hurt your Achilles, 
it affects kind of everything else around you because it's sure. a very, you know, it's a connective muscle. Right. And so I, I'm more so on board with Jadarian price because I liked what he showed. I thought he showed more before he got hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, more so than Jabron Payne kind of showed this year. And that's, I think Jabron Payne had a really good spring this year. I just think that Jadarian Price has more of that big play in him sure. compared to Jabron Payne. All, you know, we're getting reports that that Jadarian Price is healthy, that, you know, he's got the spring in his step, he's got the explosiveness, you know, all of that stuff. And so if that's the case, and I, you know, I have no reason to believe that it's not, then Jadarian Price is the guy. Like, that's that's who I think it's going to be. And I I love Jabron Payne, and there may be a spot on this team, you know, not on this team, but like a spot because there's eight starting running back spots according according to McCullough. That's how he operates, right? So he's got room for eight different. Now it could be the same guy having multiple spots, you know, whatever. So I think there's a spot for him. But I think well, I mean, there was Bryce, three running backs last year. Of course, no, absolutely, and and you know the next question will be who's going to be. The third running back, is it going to be Jeremiah Love? It's going to be Devin Ford, the transfer from Penn State. I mean, there. I I think you could just take all four of these guys who are not starting because Jadarian Price is the guy. You could Make shake them, them up. Your returners. And you could just <laughs> and, and you'd be fine. You know what I mean? I really do believe that. But I still think Jadarian Price, when all said and done, is going to be the second guy. I think he's going to get the majority of the second carries. Where do you think Devin Ford fits in? See, that's a good question because because like I don't me personally, and this is mm-hmm. just my thought. I you don't transfer somewhere unless there's like some sort of sliver of playing time for you, right? Or like some sort of utilization sure. for you. I feel like you don't just come to be a depth piece or maybe a scout team guy. Well, there's like, no there's way he's going to start. There's no way right. he's going to there's, there's start. There's no way he's going to be start, but there's still got to be a position. There's still got to be something here for him. I guess is what I'm saying. So what is his? What is that role? To a degree, I I agree with you, but then I could take a guy that's on Notre Dame's team or was on Notre Dame's team, and in Caleb Smith, who came over from Virginia Tech, and yes, yeah, then he, he just retired. He retired medically, technically, but he got retired because he got passed up. Like he wasn't yeah. going to play. Like you know what I mean. So some of these guys are willing to take a bet on themselves, and I I, yes, I love that's that. A fair point. I think that's great, and I think that there's still some tread on the tires for Devin Ford. There's no doubt about that, but you know, he's battled some injuries and he, he redshirted himself last year from what I understand. And so he's going to be ready to go. He's got a skill set that can help you. Right. I mean, he does. I don't think he's as talented as, as uh Jadarian price, but there's, there's opportunity, man. I, I really do. I wouldn't be upset no matter who, who's getting the reps. Unless there somebody's got a fumbling problem that I don't know right. about, or you know something along those lines, there's a ton of talent in that room, man. There's a ton of talent in there. Oof, you just gave me PTSD when you said fumble. I just thought of that estimate fumble against Stanford. <sighs> I know. I I don't feel like that's going to happen this year. <laughs> I, I need to record that, this so I know, we can right? uh, blame you for if it seriously. All right, let's go to guard. Let's do both guard spots. Can we both agree that Billy Shrouth is going to be the left guard? Oh, the left, I yeah, that's okay. All right, fair done. enough. It was an open spot, that's why I put it on there. But I, you know, I think we can all agree that it's going to be Billy, uh, and he'll make some boneheaded sophomore mistakes at some point. But his ceiling is so high, and he looks so good in the spring. Like it's going to be fun to watch him. So right guard, who starts at right guard? You know what? 
I don't know if you know about this, but oh. my dad and I did a spring draft, right? Like our okay. breakout players for this spring. And there's someone in the chat who can probably attest to this. I took Rocco Spindler as my number one overall pick. And I took Rocco oh. Spindler with my number one overall pick because I think he's got the biggest boomer bust at, at, sure. at spring. It's either, I mean, with the question, it's either he starts or he doesn't. And I think if he starts, I look like a genius, right? Like I picked the guy who won the starting <laughs> guard spot. He's been here for three years. He's, you know, he was highly touted, coveted out of high school. I think sure. he's got the talent. I don't know me. I, I don't know enough about the inner workings of what's held him back, you know, these first few years. But to me, he's got <laughs> he's slimmed down. He looks yes, more he athletic. Yes, he, he looks has. more fit. And these are all positive signs for me. It shows that he's working hard, right? And that's everyone works hard. Don't get me wrong. Sure. But I just I, I just have to double down on myself, I guess is what I'm saying. I have more faith in Rocco Spindler, and I think he's gonna end up with the starting job. <laughs> I agree with you. I agree with you. I wouldn't have agreed with you in the spring. I'm not I'm not even gonna say that I would have agreed with you back in the spring because in my opinion, he was still kind of the overweight, slow-footed guy that had a bunch of potential but hadn't lived up to it, right? Right. But he changed my opinion in the spring. Like he's he's slimmed down, he's gotten more athletic because of that. He's 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 reshaped his body. He's a mauler. He Rocco's a mauler. There's no doubt he about looks it. He's just like a dude who wants like he he embraces physical contact, right? He's like, a 325 pounds, dude. That's like, what I mean. Like people, yeah. people, some people in football, like the, the, the physicality, it is what it is. They just do it. But there's certain people who seek out the physicality and want the physicality. He seems like that guy to me. Yeah, right. Uh, exactly. And here's how I look at the position. Andrew Kristofik is steady Eddie. Like he is going to give you everything he's got. He's going to be in the right place at the right time. He's going to, you know, go to the right, uh, you know, combo block. He's going to do all of those things. So his floor is pretty high. Rocco's ceiling is higher because with that. he's stronger. He's more aggressive. But he needs to prove that he can be just as steady as Andrew and go to the right place at the right time and fire off the ball and do all the things that you want out of your guard if he can prove that, he's your starter because his ceiling is so much higher. It just is. It's nothing against Andrew at all. It's nothing against him because Andrew is that veteran guy who you know what you're going to get. And with the offensive line, nine times out of ten, I'm going to take the guy and I'm going to play the guy I know what I'm going to get out of him. Right. With Rocco, it's he can make the really great play, but then he can also make a, a horribly bad play. Exactly. Stoffick is maybe – you know, if this is that range of really good and really bad, Kristoffic is just consistently just right here, right? Yep. Like you were saying, yep. he's not going to reach that ceiling of Spindler, but he's also not going to re- reach that basement of. He's Spindler not going to reach the, the really floor bad of Spindler place. either, right? He's not like th- like the floor to ceiling is here for Rocco. The floor to ceiling for Andrew is here, like, right? He's right here, and I'll take that. Like they can be a a a good to really good offensive line with Andrew Kristoffic at right guard. And that's probably enough to do to win a hell of a lot of games. But they right. can, if if Rocco meets his ceiling, they can be very good to elite. And that's that's the that's the game. I mean, that's what you want, right? That's the, do you that's think? The, um, bold prediction here. 
I think there's going to be some sort of snap share between the two. I think coming out of camp, there's still not going to be a clear number one. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think we'll see the first game, uh, you know, some rotating in and out at the guard spot? And what is your personal thought process or on that? Do you agree with something like that? Or are you a guy who thinks that a guy should get a full game and he should stick it out? And then if there's still issues, the next guy should get his chance after that. So it's funny that you should mention that because on the show this afternoon, Brian basically said in a perfect world in his eyes, Billy starts at left, Rocco starts at right. And Andrew spells both of them when they maybe so are like kind of, you know, so, having a mental lapse or something, right? Well, like no, you like said, he, you plug saying, it in for the consistency. He's saying that like you start both, you start the two younger guys, they get, you know, two, three series, whatever. And then you bring in Andrew to right guard for a series to give Rocco a blow. Then you move Andrew over to left guard for a series just to give, An- just to give uh, Billy a blow and then you put the starters back in for the next two or three series. Like, kind of a timeshare situation, but Andrew right. is smart enough and good enough to play both of those positions. He's played both of those positions in a Notre Dame uniform before already. So he's saying that Andrew plays well enough in the spring or in the fall that he forces his way onto the field, but it allows those younger guys to get some rest during the game. I, if that happened, if that was is what occurred. I honestly would be fine with that. It were the last time the the only time Notre Dame won a Joe Moore award, it was a timeshare at guard. Worked out really, really well. Yeah. It could work out really, really well for this team too. I, I would be that's fine with my that. My prediction is going to be there's going to be some sort of snap share between those three guys, between the guard positions. And okay. disclaimer, did not listen to the other show. I was too busy <laughs> with other stuff today. I'm not poaching ideas. Oh, salty is uh, he's he's getting he's put his mind in the gutter, man. That's yeah, not... I knew that there was going to be a comment about that. That's that's come on, man. Like, <laughs> jeez. Uh, I am gonna just for the sake of this argument, I'm going to predict that Rocco is the starter because that was the question that was posed. Uh, but I love Andrew Kristovic. I think he's a great player, and if there's a timeshare, I would be cool with it. Um, because that means he earned it. Like they're not just going to do that because he's a veteran, right? They're going to do it because he earned it. And uh, I want this offensive line to be elite. And if it's going to be elite, then Rocco's got to start. So that's where I'm at with the guard position. All right. Next well, position. You laughed at me when I took Rocco first. Now look at you. Uh, see, I, I'm telling you, I would not have taken him in the spring game. I, would, I wouldn't have. You went out on a limb all by yourself on that one. There's, Thank you. I'll give you all the credit in the world for that one. <laughs> okay. I just put linebackers. Now we know that JD Bertrand is going to start at Mike. Like that's so the question's Will and Rover, right? The question's Will and Rover. Absolutely. I think what makes sense to me is Kaiser at Will and Sneed at Rover. That like all Mm. things go well. That's ideal world for me. Just because I think Sneed has more athleticism and field coverage as a true Rover, right? Like, I think of me personally, I think of Will as a guy who's going to be better in, in the run game and probably lacks a little bit in the coverage game um, and then vice versa for Rover. I think your Rover is solid enough in the run game and can really fill down at the end of line of scrimmage with the, de- you know, helping out the defensive end, Viper, whatever you want to call it. Um, but they're primarily, you know, they're, they're, they're a better coverage linebacker than they are anything else. And so 
I think that fits their skill sets um, better if Kaiser's at will and Sneed's at Rover. So be interested to see what you have to say. So if I was coaching and what I know of the situation, I would start that three right there. That that's Those are the three that I would start. Okay, I think that's a fair point too. Like I don't care what the combination looks like as long as those three are on the field together. I think those are the I get three that. best linebackers – and their ability sure. to run that defense. Right. No, I get it. Those are the three I would want on the field as well. Um, in, in that order, I, I like Jack on the inside at, at will. I, I think that's a good spot for him, to be honest with you. Uh, and I think Jalen would do a great job at, at Rover. And he's kind of cross-training at Rover and Will and both. And so is Jack and, you know, whatever. Um, I think that's the most dynamic three linebackers that they could get on the field to be the most effective. But here's what I think is going to happen. I think <laughs> <laughs> I still think that it's going to be JD in the middle. I think Jack is going to be at Rover. And I think Maris is going to be at Will. I think that's what's going to happen. I I think what should happen is what you said, but I think what will happen is what I said. What do you think's the infatuation with Maris? He's an athletic freak. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, but he, he's athletic an athletic freak, freak doesn't mean you're like. When I was started off in college, there were guys I was like there were guys more athletic than me playing linebacker, but I sure. consistently proved that I could line up in the right spot, I could make my reads, and that trumps athleticism because if you're not getting to your spot and you're not diagnosing a play pre-play, then what's it matter? You can have all the skill in the world, but if you're not where you're supposed to be, it doesn't really matter. Did it matter? Did you get playing time over those guys? Eventually I did. Yeah, I worked all the way up to okay. uh, a second string linebacker and was able to, you know, start on a majority of all special teams. So, you know, I believe was... in you. Like I'm not, I would have played. No, no, I know that. Coaches are idiots sometimes and they get infatuated with traits. You know yeah. what I mean? They and do. That's an issue I ran into farther down is there was a, a freshman that came in who wasn't very good, but they loved his size and yeah. the ability, how fast he was able to move for his size. And he wasn't any better. It's just, they, there was, like you said, there's just intangible traits that people get yep. infatuated with. Yep, and I think that's th- I think that's the case. Now, I hope I'm proven wrong. I th- this is the one of all the ones we're doing. This is the one I want to be proven wrong on because I agree with you. I would rather have the starting threesome of the guys that you said. I just don't. It's the PTSD, man. Like I just don't see it happening. I just <laughs> I hope I'm wrong. I real this is I want to be wrong. I want to be wrong on this, but uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll see how this one ends up. All right. Yeah. Let's go to the back. Safety. The other, the the safety opposing Xavier Watts. Who's going to get that spot? So you got the Rhode Island transfer. I believe his Carter. name is Antonio Carter. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, Coming off of a bit of an injury. Uh, you got DJ Brown. You got Ramon I'm a Ramon Henderson, Henderson guy. Okay. okay. I think I'm, I'm going to go with Ramon Henderson. I think it's. I think it's his time, and okay. I really don't have a lot of reasoning why. I, I just have <laughs> the most confidence in Ramon. Like, I just don't – you know, safety is not something I know terribly a whole bunch about. Um, but I just I, – I from stuff I've seen, heard, you know, all of, the, all of the above, I just feel like Ramon Henderson, it's his time to step up for that spot. Sure. That's exactly who I have for all the exact same reasons. I think that his ceiling is the highest. He just needs to understand what the heck he's doing. Right. 
And I think you know that's what I mean? mainly it. He just can't be <laughs> yeah. out there looking like a chicken with his head cut off. He's just got to know yeah. where he's got to be at all times. Because I, yep. again, it comes back to the ceiling thing. These, this guy has the highest ceiling out of probably everyone Absolutely. there, and he still has, you know, the youth compared to some of these other guys. So, yeah, no, Ramon is is my pick as well, and it's honestly, it's not all that close. Um, so yeah, it's that's definitely me as well. All right, let's move on to the next one. Uh, the the third corner. A third corner. So the nickel? No, not the nickel, because that's not really the third. That's a different position altogether. I, I think Thomas Harper is going to be the nickel. Like I don't see that going. I mean, Clarence Tom, Clarence Lewis is going to push him, uh, but Harper is going to be the nickel. So, so are you talking just depth wise? Yeah. So depth. So who's the first? Like if if one of the corners goes down, who's who's the first one you're putting in? So I got I got Cam Hart and. Morrison as my starters. Yep, absolutely. Uh, I think I think Jaden Mickey becomes your your yep. third overall, and I think I he's so. the guy that I have the most comfort with, um, and the guy that I expect to step up into that into that role. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Jaden Mickey. Yes, I hope that is the case as well. I hope that Mickey steps up and is that guy uh, in this in this secondary because they're gonna need him. He got a lot of playing time as a freshman, you know had some good things happen, had some bad things happen. You know what I mean? But he got a lot, he got a lot of opportunities. And that's the hardest exactly. part. Exactly. 100%. He got a lot of experience as a true freshman. And so he's poised to kind of take that spot. And uh, I think, I think he'll, I think he's going to do it. And I, I got a lot of faith in Jaden Mickey. So I think he's going to be that spot as well. How about backup quarterback? This is I, what I would do. I would go with Minchie because okay. I think even if Minchie isn't better than Angeli, I think but is that, that what's going to happen. Uh, no, it's going to be Angeli, but <laughs> I'm saying Minchie because I think it sets up a long-term plan better. I think okay. the more you can get Minchie into the mix now, it sure. sets up for a better transition when Sam Hartman is no longer here. And okay. I think that Minchie has a, higher ceiling and a better chance of being an elite quarterback than Steve Angeli. So why not, even if Angeli's ahead of him this year, why not get him into the QB two so he can, again, be just better prepared for next season when his shot or opportunity is really kind of there. I actually think it's going to be Kenny Minchie by the Ooh, end of it. I do. Okay. I, I think he's going to overtake. I think his, I think his, you know, his traits I think obviously are better than Steve Angeli, and I. But I think at the end of the day, so are so is going to be his decision making and his his, his playmaking as well. Um, hearing a lot of good things about him, the intel that's on the board. You guys have all read it if you're members of the board. I like what I read there, man. I, I I like what I saw, and I I think Kenny's going to take him down. I think he's going to be the number two guy uh, coming out of camp. So we'll see how it goes, but. I, I think he's going to do it. I think he's going to do it. Uh, we don't need don't to do even, the next one. I think it's – what's that? It's a, don't even ask me the next one. <laughs> I was more of a joke than anything else, so <laughs> I'm not going to ask you the next one. <laughs> don't worry. But fall camp is going to be a lot of fun, man. I am really looking forward to just getting out there. Like I, I almost put in there like punt returner, kick returner, like all those different – but like because those are going to be – I think there's an opportunity for some dynamic play – at punt return and kick return this year. I do. I think there's going to be, but I want to see who they got lined up. We're going to see it tomorrow. I guarantee they're going to have a special team segment 
where they're going to have the returners. I am very interested to see who they have set up. There's there's no doubt about that. So those are our predictions for fall camp, position battles, what we think is going to happen, all that stuff. So thank you for joining us. We're going to we are going to do the next thing. Don't worry. That's but, an hour-long uh, segment for you to get – for all these people to help them get through work tomorrow. You're welcome. You're, you're darn right you're welcome. That See, just come. Come to us. We got you. We're not going to bury you in like a 45-minute segment, okay, like our predecessor who's on vacation, okay? <laughs> we give you everything we've got, all right? So make sure you hit that subscribe button. Make sure you hit that notification bell. Give us a like. Give us a, you know – all right. Give us a, uh, a five-star review as well. That'd be nice. Uh, and just say, you know, my favorite IB podcaster is Jesse Sires. There you go. I'll even allow it. Go ahead. Give it to Jesse. <laughs> I'm okay with that. So uh, for Jesse, I'm Vince. Thanks for joining us, but stay tuned. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.